Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Welcome to To Boldly Watch, the podcast where we watch Star Trek The Next Generation and then we talk about it. This is episode 415, First Contact. I'm one of your hosts, Becca Scott. I'm another host, Xander Genere. And I'm yet another host, Jake Michaels. Jake, what is First Contact? I thought that was a movie. (laughs) Well, that's true. Yeah, it is a movie. But uh, this conversation is about the Star Trek The Next Generation television episode. If you're looking for the feature film, uh, wait a couple years because we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. We were mentioning that there's a lot of Star Trek out there and I didn't even think about all of the motion pictures as well. Are you telling me this very RSS feed is going to someday cover the movies? Who knows? Oh, we should. You need to we watch. We don't know. We have no plan, y'all. <laughs> the first Contact movie is really good. Oh, it's I a great you were sci-fi say movie, too. The first movie was very good, in which I was about to argue that it's very boring. <laughs> which one is the one where Picard is Borg? That's First Contact. Yeah. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I love it already. Spoilers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we already well, had an episode <laughs> that was essentially that. Yeah, yeah. It covers a lot of that history, and, I th- and that gets revisited a lot in Picard as well, from what I hear. Yes, yes. Up to current Trek. Go and watch Picard, everybody, and Discovery. It's so good. And Prodigy and Lower Decks. It's all fantastic. That's too many. No, I'll it's start not. with Picard. It's perfect. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> I want it. Star Trek Daddy. Oh. I'll only start with Picard <laughs> if he starts on a vineyard. Oh, boy, have I got some news for you. <laughs> That's true. It is. It turns into a wine Both tasting seasons. show halfway through the first season. Yeah. That's all I ask. Xander, you actually told me some really important information in terms of accessibility for Star Trek that we should probably share with the podcast listeners. Oh, yes. Just as a, a public service announcement, at least in the United States, if you are watching it on Netflix, it seems to be coming to an end on April 1st of this year. I don't know where it's going, but I'm pretty sure... It'll be Paramount Plus or maybe still it's Paramount Plus on it Amazon. It, has it could to be, be an yeah. April Fool's trick. But it feels like the rights to Star Trek keeps keep getting like passed around and still CBS is finally like, oh, no, no, wait, no, wait, we actually do want it. It's <laughs> the consolidation of all these companies finally making their own platforms and just pulling all their stuff back on. Like the, like mm-hmm. Peacock pulled the office and Paramount's going to do this mm-hmm. with Star Trek. So mm-hmm. You know, there was that phase where it seemed like there was too many platforms and a bunch of them were failing. And now th- they figured out their monetization properly. Exclusivity. I suppose. Yeah. 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 They did figure out exclusivity. That's so exactly right. they back up. Yeah. They, they know what we want and we're going to pay for it. I guess. For now. Hey, what if instead of cable, we just bought each individual channel <laughs> until we had as many channels as cable? Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least I still get to pick it and I'm not paying yeah. a badoom boom for, for sports. Did you say a badoom boom? Yeah. I'm paying so many badoom booms a right now. Badoom I can't boom. even. <laughs> That's actually the currency of this civilization, you guys. The Madoom Boom. What civilization, Jake? <laughs> do they even have names? They do. The Malkorians. Yeah. Malkorians. Malkorians. That's right. It's episode 415, First Contact. Um, I didn't write down the synopsis of this. It's when Riker <laughs> has some cosmetic. Riker gets a boo-boo, lion <laughs> hospital. Hospital say, that's not one of us. Riker say, sleep uh picard and crusher 
Nope. Okay. Um, hey, the caveman translation, I really appreciate yeah. it. That was I'll really fun. TLDR, yeah. Riker rolls a one on the away mission. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, Commander Riker is injured on a reconnaissance mission, threatening the prospects for first contact with a culture on the verge of warp travel. Ooh. Mm, so close. So a lot of things we already know about the TNG world are implemented here. Oh, the here Prime we go. Directive. We can't mm-hmm. contact the planet until they've started to achieve warp technology. And this is the first time that we're seeing ideas that have been talked about in practice of what happens when a civilization gets close to warp tech. But wait, Becca, how are we as the Federation supposed to know that the civilization has reached warp capabilities if we can't contact them? I'm so glad you asked, Xander. So what we're going to do is embed some operatives uh, pretending and implanting themselves in the civilization, going about and uh, absorbing culture and other (laughs) stuff, societal norms to see whether or not. They chill? What the vibe? You oh, know? wait. What if they're caught? Won't that scare the local population? I'm so glad you asked. We didn't think of that. <laughs> we don't have a, a, an abort mission button. We just say, oh, shit. Okay. Um, we'll just bring up on our ship. <laughs> yeah, we just make contact uh, yeah. anyway. We beam down there and say, hi. Yeah. Don't be scared by our appearance. Yeah. But we need to find our spy. You got us. Both physically how us, our appearance, and how we appeared here out of nowhere. <laughs> All of those things. I do like this is also the crew of the Enterprise apologizing again for their just flat foreheads because everybody else just has you know you know it's an alien if they got a bumpy forehead that's the (laughs) number two core tenant number one prime directive secondary directive the bumpies are the new people yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah, different people yeah these had forehead ridges and ninja turtle hands Mm -hmm. so well they they have different digits on their terminus too right yes (laughs) they have a single digit on their terminus oh is it a single digit single Ugh, one That's toe? Impressive. That's a freaky looking thing. <laughs> Instead of just the we end of the foot. We are making first contact here, I know, Jake. I know, but they, they, they talked a lot about where our heart should be. It, it, like, it is digestive. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so this is one of the questions that I wanted to bring up. Say you are in a similar scenario, because I love what they did here. They took the alien invasion scenario and flipped it on its head. But say you're like your friend passed out and you go to grab their hand and their hand comes off and there are (laughs) even more fingers than you expect underneath. There's like 10 fingers on one hand or something like that. And and you how does how strange does that look to you or could you get past that? That's pretty good. That's a great question. We can be friends, but I don't know if I'd be comfortable with anything more. Yeah. Yeah, there can't be other revelations. Oh, no, it's both hands have ten fingers. And your stomach's in your face. (laughs) They probably have two feet or something at their terminals. (laughs) Okay, so to set the scene that we're talking about, Riker's in a hospital bed when we start. There's a bunch of aliens with these rigidy foreheads running around doing hospital stuff. They kind of look like budget Cardassians. Cardassians? Oh, (laughs) The Kardashians. Yeah, got nope. it. Nope. Um, and then there, there's such great techno babble of like, there's three spleens where a squ- squidobbler should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, what I love about this is we don't know it's Riker. The whole cold open yeah. is very non-Star oh. Trek formula, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't even do like a captain's log or anything. It's just like somebody's being wheeled into this unfamiliar location that's clearly a, like a hospital of some sort. Mm-hmm. And the technology isn't super space agey. In fact, the, the production design of this is supposed to be kind of tangential to our world, but just look different, right? And yeah, as Becca mentions, they go into a whole lot of techno babble about this weird anatomy of this creature. And then suddenly like a human hand appears, right? I had no idea we weren't supposed to know that's Riker because of all the screenshots that I oh. looked at beforehand. Spoiled. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's what's kind of interesting about this is they... This is not a Star Trek episode in terms of its formula. Every TNG episode, for the most part, has been from the perception of the Enterprise. And now we're from the perception largely of the civilization. Yeah. And I think that. Did I say? Yeah. Perspective. Thank you. We switched that right away. It's a good intro into this. Like, what if we are the aliens? You know what I mean? Mm Because that's the basic concept of it. Plus, some of those panels, someone was definitely like playing centipede on there instead of checking vital signs. (laughs) For sure. Oh, yeah, for sure, Centipede. Or that Snake. new one where it's like snakes, but the snakes get bigger when oh, yeah. you um, don't bump into other snakes. That's the future, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I do like talking about, you know, the terminus and digits we should mention. Riker got cute toes. Oh. Did we see foot stuff? I, I didn't guess. know I was a foot person. But for free? He's got nice toes. All right. Yeah, for free. No I, extra. It, it didn't have a pop up that was like, would you like to pay extra to see this frame? Subscribe now. I would have subscribed. On footstuff.memoryalpha.com, there is at four minutes and no. Uh, yeah, they show They do show his feet. He pulls it into frame. He's like, look, he has five digits on his terminus. That's like right before the cutaway, right? Or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Riker is. It, it turns out it's Riker who's unconscious <gasps> in this weird alien. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. But he looks a little different. Still got the beard though. So we know we're still watching Star Trek. We know that like the programming for tonight's shows on ABC haven't changed, right? Or CBS? I don't remember what it was. C- I must say CBS because of our whole Paramount Plus conundrum. That's, I think you're right. Cut to let's meet our favorite scientist. Which one? Because Mirasta. She's well, great. Right. The the doctors all like meet before this and they're like, we shouldn't tell anybody about this. Right. D- don't they get don't they interview him at first? And he tries to come up with a backstory about who he is. He's like a tourist or something. Yeah. He oh, has right. some of these I did terrible job taking notes. This, this no, time. that's OK. This this. Yeah, it's all right. He has these details memorized uh, from his like away mission on yeah. what he's supposed to say. And so the viewer also is like, okay, did Riker forget who he is? Is this a lookalike like Riker? Was there a transport accident? Like what's going Can on I here? Can I translate the, the opposite? Because we keep pointing to the flipped on its headness of this episode. Mm. It's just like a guy with a very flat forehead in a <laughs> trench coat that's like, my name is Edgar from Paris. <laughs> okay, Edgar from Paris. I uh, also love what? hot dogs. We love to make the grapes old and drink them. (laughs) (laughs) He says that they they like have started anatomy scans of him and they're like, your ridges or your like your forehead appears to be cosmetic. And he's like, yeah, Yeah. I was born with this genetic genetic abnormalities or something. Right, right. Subtle Edgar. And he's he's like, you got to talk to my personal doctor, Crusher. Oh, yeah. But uh, I don't have her number. She's on vacation. She's on sabbatical. She's on sabbatical. <laughs> she, yeah, that's what it was. 
That was a, yeah, a nice floundering there. Man, mm-hmm. what would you do, though, in that situation? Right. We know Riker loves an away mission. He loves to be the one sent down and get in, in the business with the peoples. <laughs> but he's in over his head. Well, yeah. He's floundering. This, this is the beginning of Riker's no good, very bad day. Because we, <laughs> we learn later that the team that's been down here has been down there for several years, deep undercover, surveying this mission. And Riker goes down there for one flipping day and ruins the Gets whole thing. Gets caught in thing. a riot and punched by the police. And now mm-hmm. he's here. Mm-hmm. Way to go. Well, ACAB anywhere you go, you know what I mean? <laughs> No kidding. What we do get from this, though, is that the doctors aren't going to alert the government about this find yet, that this is potentially an alien. It'll be bad. And they're going to try and figure out his deal first. And that's kind of important, as we'll see. So then we do go to the meeting that Becca mentions, which takes place at, like, the Capitol, where the Chancellor Durkin, I believe his name is. Uh, Wait, what? (laughs) He's a Durkin? I think yeah, like We're it, in a gherkin merkin? I had no. a long conversation <laughs> about gherkin merkins last night, so like this is too much for me. Okay. Well, hang in there. Uh, let's talk about Marasta Yale and the scientist that you were so excited about. She's trying to pitch how uh, warp technology works and the minister of security, Krola, who's a pensive looking fellow. I don't know if you this recognized him. freaking guy. Yeah, he's, <sighs> I can't remember what he's from. He, he plays like a- uh, Let me show you what I wrote down. Oh, I just call him Glasses Guy. He's yeah. the Maitre D from Ghostbusters. He's like the, the head waiter in Ghostbusters <laughs> in the very first one. He has a very punchable face, even yeah, he, with the forehead ridges. He plays like the um, the the highbrow angry guy in a lot of stuff. He's very yeah. perfect for this. I picture him in a lot of 90s movies as the lawyer that mm. you're like, oh, Stuffy. this guy. Yeah. The enemy through bu- bureaucracy. Yeah, but yeah. he's their war chief or whatever. Their minister of security. You just mm-hmm. said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's but he represents the conservative slash very traditional side of their culture, right? And they all people are frightened and confused by this new technology. I have a line that encapsulates this guy's whole character and this whole planet's point of view, which is her passion for work is seductive, Chancellor. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you just call her a scientist whore trying to convince you, seduce you with her ideas? Yeah. You're exactly right. He's like demeaning her with that. He like didn't really talk about her argument so much as like talk about just her. She's trying to seduce you with her words. Yeah. Yeah. He uses the word seduce, which is Mm -hmm. like, you just told me everything I need to know about this character. (laughs) And how you view. Yeah. Yeah. So the chancellor kind of puts uh, Corolla aside and says, you know what? We're going to go forward with it. We should be looking into the future. Right. And that's kind of where that ends for now. Yeah, we see that there is a clear conflict of interest because, yeah, he's saying we will we'll slow down in a bit. We'll just do this little warp drive thing and then we'll we'll totally take a break. Don't yeah, we're getting this whole like uh, the chancellor, an old white dude, mind you, is forward thinking. But the civilization is backwards thinking and Krola represents the civilization, period. And he's sort of self-aware about it, too. He's like, I know I'm old-fashioned, but I represent the people that are old-fashioned. Yeah, I mean, he he, he also mentions just, like, traditions and, like, people not being able to adapt to the new world. He also mentions something about we've had new economic philosoph- uh, philosophies and, like, procedures that are happening as well. So a lot of things are changing too fast for his constituents, I guess. Yeah. But right after that, M- M- Marasta is in her lab working, and suddenly Picard She's and Troy... Sake. Wait, what's the game? Yeah. 
yeah, uh, centipede. centipede. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> Picard and Troy just appear, and again and she quickly deletes her browser history. She's yeah. like, I wasn't looking at alien stuff. <laughs> Oh, she's totally, speaking of, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the first thing Troy says is like, don't be scared. We know we look like freaks, but <laughs> yeah. we're friendly. And you're about to make contact with a whole new set of species out there in the universe. Does Troy? Because I feel like this is a Picard scene where Troy's only there to say, as the counselor, don't be alarmed at our appearance. Yeah. And then that's her only line for Is the her whole only show. No, oh, she she also says that she's rooms. from Beta Z because yeah. she's a proof of other planets than Earth. Yeah. Again, we barely see the crew of the Enterprise this episode. Jordy isn't in it at all. No. Data and Worf are in it for like a half a second. Same with Troy, I guess, too. But like this is so this is so different. This is such a different formula that we're following. And I, I love that I the love perspective is, has been changed. Yeah, they basically show up and they're like, hey, you're a scientist. We like scientists. Yeah. You're going to get this. You right? understand. You like science, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and we'll show you, in fact, that we are, we'll prove it to you. Uh, so they take her aboard the Enterprise and they show her 10 forward. That's um, where I'd want to go. Yeah, of course. Or the holodeck. <laughs> oh, man, she's so stoked. She's like, this is exactly what I pictured. I love it here. Mm-hmm. She's also a brilliant actress. I would I teared up many times just at this scientist's excitement on having fulfilled that like what she wished was out there is out there. Yeah. And she's How acting cool. through the prosthetic makeup as well, doing a really good job. That's a that's a tough task for yeah. sure. I don't know. Sometimes you can use a forehead ridge to your advantage, you know. Okay, Becca, let's give her some credit. <laughs> I did. How I'm do you saying... use a forehead ridge to your to your advantage? You know. Um, look, there's a picture of me on Instagram where Whitney did my wake- makeup for a vampire ball and she gave me eyebrows that just had a lot of emotion. I didn't oh. need to make a face in. for the eyebrows to express everything. Mm-hmm. Resting brow mm-hmm. face. Yeah, resting brow face. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless, uh, she's fantastic. And actually, that actress we've seen before... Oh, she played a Romulan in a season two episode. Let me look real quick. So they knew that she was okay with forehead ridges. Yeah, she could she could <laughs> handle her eyebrows. Uh, contagion. Uh, a Romulan warbird is attacked by a computer virus that already destroyed one Federation starship. Oh yeah, like Data had to like go in at the very end, and the thing was like zapping him, and he had to like disarm it or something. Do you guys uh, remember was that this? a quick beam out for a rescue thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you remember that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I don't think this is her last Star Trek appearance, but yeah, she was wonderful. And she, I, I also love that scene where she sees her planet from space for the first time. And even Picard mentions, like, that was a really emotional moment for me when I first saw that. And you realize how much the three of us have seen it in media, but we've mm. never seen our planet from space. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I assumed <laughs> you've never been in space. Uh, honestly, I think all those pictures are photoshopped, actually. <laughs> oh, no, Earth let's is not. Oh, here we go. Here we go. This I'd is where the world not. finds out that Becca's a flat earther. <laughs> oh. No, not, Look, not live. I started looking into it ironically, um, and now I just like, wow, I don't know where to go with this. No, the Good. Earth is not flat, everybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I always worry. Can you joke too hard that right. people will take you seriously? Said the very first flat earther. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, I think we can testify to this living in California where every time you go to a beautiful beach, you can never capture its immensity of the ocean in your camera. Right. And so mm. I'm sure that would be a pretty amazing experience. I hope we get to do that someday. Wait, yeah. what is your point about the camera? 
that on a beach? like seeing a picture of of Earth from space is going to be different than seeing it from space as in person. Uh, but Jake, what if I go to a 4DX experience of flying into yeah. space? Ooh. That's pretty much the same. Or 5D where they just shoot the dopamine right into your neck as it happens. So you're Sign good. Sign me up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, right. that sounds excellent. Okay, okay. 5D okay. experiences. I think, I, no, I think you just started a revolution. Yeah. When you said Jake. dopamine in the neck, I got real excited. 5D uh, experience <laughs> is my grinder username. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Becca's mom. <laughs> it's okay. She doesn't know what grinder is. Segwaying to her mom <laughs> after saying those things. All right. <laughs> then the let's see. <laughs> so Picard explains to Marasta how everything works in terms of first contact and about how we we, we gently start to uh, observe a culture both from inside and from out. So we actually send people down. And by the way, one of our people is missing. So there's a sense of urgency here, right? Yeah, he lets them know right away. But she doesn't know where he's at because the hospital hasn't mentioned it to the government yet. Right. Because right? so, they're also dealing with their own xenophobia of like, should we tell anyone? Should we not? Is it yeah. an alien? Yeah. Do we kill him? Do we kill him? We should kill him. Yeah. They don't say that. I added that. Well, they if have I were the there. actions. They're going to kill him. <laughs> it's like me and this possum that I found in my compost yesterday. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Y'all, go check out Becca's story right now. It's crazy. On Instagram. On Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Um, she also mentions at one point about how the Malkorians, like, hold themselves to believe themselves to be, like, the superior beings in the universe or something, which is a hint to yes. the animosity they're going to have when they reveal themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or the animosity that we have being so uh, anthrocentric in our society. Exactly I mean, it. just discarding plants and animals and earth and everything else and shooting trash into space, into the ocean. That's what we do. And yet here we have it displayed for us what total assholes we are. <laughs> so that's what Star Trek can do for us, you know? There it is. I mean, if it takes too much energy to shoot trash into space, but we should be shooting it towards the sun, right? And it just gets incinerated. Is that the is that the best incinerator right now that we can think of? Actually, in throughout most of Europe, there are incinerators in every neighborhood, and they're um, contained in such a way that it's like the minimal emissions. Right. It's the best way to deal with trash, and we just don't do it in America because we're stupid. No, and we nobody just wants an incinerator in their neighborhood. So, yeah, we just bury it and throw it in the ocean. But we do shoot trash into space through satellites that we just let well yeah that's true yeah that's yeah the debris and stuff but i was just talking about like how we handle waste in the future uh but yeah it will be compact like incinerators and stuff but i don't know the sun's just so tempting just throw it at the sun well speaking kind of of that when they had mentioned that i just blanked on the it's malcorvian malcor malcavians malcor three is the plan malcor three when they said like oh we thought we were the center of the universe i'm like why is it malcor three then what happened to malcor (laughs) one and two but then i was like oh it could have been that the m-class planet is the third in the solar system but that means that they knew that there were other planets because they're developing warp you just found a big hole in this script. No, 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 no. No, I just had this argument with myself <laughs> as I well, was watching it. Three usually mentions three. The idea of a third planet is like it's the third from the sun, right? Exactly. We're, we're soul three. I think Terran we've covered this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Terran is Earth related, I believe. Well, soul is you, our sun. Yeah. Terran, you are from Earth. 
Mm-hmm. They did call Picard from planet Earth earlier in this episode. They did. Oh, did they? Oh, uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, because so, because uh, Troy ooh, didn't want to get wine. into the specifics. She's just like, he's from Earth and I'm from Beta Z. Don't oh. worry. <laughs> well, that she mentioned the Federation in that sense too. Like yeah. we're all friends, and you were just letting you. We're the welcoming party, right? I am disappointed mm. she didn't say Soul Three. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, Xander, is that like they could know about other planets, but warp is interstellar travel, right? Not just yeah. interplanetary. That means between stars. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's not for you. Bodies. Oh, well, I can thank you anyway. <laughs> oh. It's not for you. <laughs> Give it back. <laughs> but yeah, they. Uh, it was fun to see that this from their perspective because they did little things to let you know that it was like an alien culture. But some of the things weren't changed quite enough. So one of the things that I noticed was like, oh, there's 29 hours in their day. Yep, that subtle thing. Subtle little thing. But and but yet, they still have weather balloons. They still have weather balloons. They all still take a Hippocratic oath. If they the Hippocratic oath. Right? <laughs> so specific. Good catch. Named yeah. after Hippocrates. So I guess they. All also had ancient Greece and the same players. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to, or the writers of the show are trying to be like, what is it earth adjacent that right. it would be like is like the aliens infiltrated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh they but they don't well. have toasts. They don't have toasts on this planet. They don't have toasts. <laughs> yeah. Let it be noted. Yeah. But they because... do have something that's like wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get back to scenes. A. Yeah. Um, so we get back to Riker in the hospital, mm-hmm. and then he's questioned again by the doctors who are like, mm-hmm. "We looked up your address, and it's a pizza joint, or whatever they say." <laughs> you gave us Pizza Hut. <laughs> it's a flub flub joint. And we asked that Pizza Hut; they'd never heard of you either. <laughs> and none of their staff is named Crusher. So what's your deal? You're you're an alien, and Riker's like, "No, no, no, no," and. Uh, the doctor kind of sees through it, right? He sees through the head, the forehead ridge. Yeah, well, because they've all said that in the zeitgeist of the population, there's this sort of alien mania right now with the development of the warp drive. So it's on the forefront right. of people's minds anyway. Everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's suspicious of the UFOs. Hmm. <laughs> and then we cut to the chancellor working in his office and... Yale walks in, Marasta Yale, and uh, she's like, I have to introduce you to someone. And Picard's in the room. He's just standing directly behind her. <laughs> and for like a full minute, he's like, well, stamp. Yeah, yeah. I have things to do. And you you're, can't you, meet you, your you fancy your friends. Yeah. And then Picard steps out from behind her. He's like, look at my forehead. And then it's like commercial break. <gasps> he's bald. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the first thing you notice, no matter what planet you're on. Yeah. You look good. And I love that we don't have to revisit the whole conversation, explain everything to him. We just cut to the Enterprise where they're giving him a tour and we're saying, look at our android. He's going to tell you all about space. Um, he's a constructed being. And this is the bridge. And we're above we're above your planet right now. I really like how they played this leader because I felt it felt believable in his hesitation and justified in his logic, but still like reasonable. And spoilers, I like the conclusion that they come to at the end. Because yes, one too. of like the the quotes I don't think I think we've had it from Picard already is you can make no mistakes and still fail. So this is an example of that, even though Riker made plenty of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. come on. Like I got knocked unconscious three different times in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I like the top of your intelligence leader. That's like, look, I get it. I hear what you're saying. Legitimate. 
uh, I can't tell my people that. This yeah, is what I can tell flip. my people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Chancellor and Picard have a conversation in his ready room where Picard uh, gives him some wine. Now, he mentions that his brother grew the wine. And what Robert. I think I was reminded about from uh, Memory Alpha was that Robert told him, don't drink this wine alone. I forgot. I just got goosebumps. That's so cool. That's so connection. Good. And they don't even mention it. It just happens. Because Picard is so excited. Imagine his joy of being the person to do the first contact mission. And he's like, oh, boy, I'm going to do it. I'm going to drink this wine. I'm going to show him a toast. Yeah. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. I think on the, on the page, there, there was more chemistry between Picard and the Chancellor because as you just pointed out, opening that bottle of wine is a really big deal. And there's really cute stuff at the end of the <laughs> chancellor being like, I hope next time you come around, my planet's ready call. and we can like, yeah. I don't know, we could play some video games or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you have Centipede or if there's a multiplayer, but. <laughs> We're really into Centipede right now. <laughs> but um, maybe that's an example of forehead riches getting in the way of acting. Because it didn't, <laughs> I didn't feel that coming from, from chancellor's side of things. Uh. Oh, well, I, they what's nice is he he conveys his concern of like, do we have a choice of meeting you? It sounds like we don't. And Picard says, look, if you don't want us to interfere with you and never speak to you again, we will do that. No yeah. means no. Yeah. <laughs> no means no. Yeah. It's not funny. That's what Picard tells him. You're right. He says, You're I right. get it. Yeah. You say the word. We're gone. I respect your boundaries. Mm hmm. But she explains the Prime Directive to him, too, which we've talked about the Prime Directive so much. We've had episodes about it so much. We've just never really gone through the how it goes, like how this whole process works. Yeah. I, yeah. Number one. <laughs> yeah. Show, don't tell, you know, and I like um, the Prime Directive conversation. I think we've seen a civilization before that found out about them and begged for the technology, the warp technology. And they yeah. were like, you have to find it yourself. That's the whole thing. Yeah. And this time he was like. I get it. So you're not going to give it to us? Okay, fine. And it <laughs> yeah. wasn't because we've already played that game. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm -hmm. We get to see a different reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And that there's multiple reactions within cultures about it, which is, of course, going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And then the next scene is why we have Riker uh, being captured, which is uh, <laughs> his encounter with the nurse, uh, Linnell. Can I tell you, before we started this podcast, I don't know if one of you sent this to me, but um, maybe like episode one, I was like, how horny does Riker get? And I found this clip on YouTube <laughs> and... I cannot believe we finally got here. <laughs> yeah. Also, the alien that uh, seduces him, as mm -hmm. we're, you're about to get to, sorry, I'm jumping the gun, is Lilith from Cheers. Oh, yeah, it's B.B. Newirth, uh, Emmy Award winning, Tony Award winning actress. Whoa. Oh, yeah. She's Her voice is so distinct. Blew mm -hmm. my flat forehead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, you guys have watched Cheers and Frasier, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, if you haven't, it still holds up pretty sure. Yeah, it's well, both of those shows hold up really well in terms of like pillars of sitcom comedy from the 80s and 90s. I highly recommend them. And she is fantastic in both of those shows. What would you call our Frasier? Uh, what would be the pun title of the rewatch <laughs> podcast? Oh, it has to be something with the radio station. Yeah, right? that's with true. Ross, he's a radio, whatever. He's a radio psychiatrist, psychiatrist in that. Uh, his, his, his catchphrase is, I'm listening. So oh, could be like, there it is. 
I'm talking. <laughs> I'm rewatching. You're uh, listening. Okay, okay. We're, you were on the right track there. Yeah. She she won two Emmys for Lilith uh, in Cheers. She as like a supporting actress. Not for this though. No, not for this. This scene. This scene was actually I I learned written for her as a matter of fact. Oh, she's so good in it. I give her an Emmy for this. Yeah, she's hilarious in it. Mm. Uh, she comes in. I mean, it's a little. I don't know. This is a little problematic. Some of it feels a little icky with with Riker's agency in it. But because we sort of know this about Riker's character and that he went to the Captain Kirk school of negotiation, that it kind of falls in line. Unfortunately, you know, his inner monologue is like, be cool, be cool. This is going to go well. Be cool. I think you're you're disregarding all the monster fuckers in our audience <laughs> and uh, the internet. What what is that movie from a couple years ago? Like the creature from the Black Lagoon, oh, but sexy. Uh, the Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. This is that. <laughs> it's that classic plot line. Go on. This yeah. actually will get explored again with him making love to uh, aliens from different cultures. Explored. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. See this time. We always say that Riker is horny on Maine, but this time the Maine was horny on Riker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So for those of you that don't recall, uh, she comes in and is very fascinated by the fact that he's an alien and she offers him a way to escape, but he needs to make love to her. That's her one and only condition. Which is wild. It's just straight up. We need to make love. He's like, "Uh, well, all right. Everything works a little differently. She's like, I don't care. Teach me. Yeah. (laughs) I can't wait to learn. (laughs) I love her curiosity. You know? And her openness. I love it. She knows what she wants, and she's gonna get it. And yeah. we don't more women in STEM, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, in STEM. Uh, she. Uh, after the bargain is fulfilled, she steps out, distracts a guard. The bargain is fulfilled. Make sure you go left instead of right. And I'll, he says, I'll call you no, next time. No, she I'm... does nothing. No, yeah, this is not helpful at all. She he does immediately nothing gets caught. whatsoever. He gets caught right away. <laughs> no, this is really her, like, her plan succeeded. Also, Wait. like, historically, when they look back in the history, she will be famous for yeah. being the one oh, who's like, yeah. let him almost escape just by <laughs> having sex with him. There is her cameo in the dictionary under monster fucker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or she's the one that like committed afterwards because think about the society that that now disbelieves that aliens actually contacted and she's like no no I made love to one it's like oh uh, you don't want to be that girl <laughs> everybody's yeah, just real right. quiet and kind of turns at her <laughs> I hope it works out for her I hope she just yeah. tells friends uh, after parties where they've had way too much Malcorian wine I hope she's not they like weirdly alien pregnant Ooh. Good I question. Hope <laughs> I hope Riker leaves a child in on every this system. In every system. <laughs> I mean, I don't hope that. I don't want children growing up without a father. But Riker would be a good dad if he could. You know. Next time he's through the <laughs> next time he passes through the star system, he'll take care of him. He runs out the door, takes a left, and immediately runs into people. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the alien. <laughs> then pretty much fights doctors and security guards until he is beaten down and uh, knocked unconscious again. Riker, fool me once. <laughs> shame on you yeah. or beat me up in a riot sh- once shame on you get beaten up in a riot twice then. I don't know I'm losing the saying here this is Riker's fault come yeah. on well all of this is Riker's fault but like this is a pretty brutal scene for Star Trek in general like like we see blood and everything like that which is sort of rare most of the time it's phaser fire lasers but yeah. this is like brutality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and political commentary yeah 
Yeah. To the point where Riker is unconscious and like dying. Near death. Yeah. He's yeah. kind of he's kind of like treading the line of death in every act almost. They yeah. actually said they gave him surgery, uh, yeah. cranial surgery after he was beaten in the hallway of the hospital trying to escape. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. All mm-hmm. this, uh, that all I could think of was like, okay, they have no idea about his anatomy and they just did a bunch of surgery on him just <laughs> guessing. Yeah. They guess this is where this goes. There's like a few spare parts for the Ikea bill. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Crusher's going to have a lot to undo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crusher's like, what is this? Yeah. Put so much just, junk in here. It's an appendix. And they're like, no, actually, that's fine. <laughs> so much of gears in here now. Uh, well, then we open up the next act with the politicians and the chancellor and the minister of security, Krola, uh, all talking about how, OK, we've met this new species now and they assure us that they're here to greet us. And so Krola is immediately like, hold on, she's seducing you with her words. That's when I think that line comes up. Right. And yeah. we, it isn't. Was it earlier? Mm-hmm. He says something also degrading to her in that moment, too. I don't recall what it was. Or like, yeah, you've been swayed by them or like, yeah, yeah. you're being naive, essentially. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, But we can't just how do we know these people aren't a threat, which this is the one time I'm like, well, you know what? He makes a fair point because we're just taking the enterprise at its word at this point. And the only defense the chancellor has is like, well, I put us on their ship and they could blow us away, but they didn't. Right. Which isn't a super <laughs> satisfying response. Especially when he has, oh, but they could have infiltrated us, but they did. Oh, wait, they did that. Yes. And and the chancellor didn't know that specifically. It was held back. Uh, when, uh, it was uh, by her wish, Yale's wish, right, that Picard didn't mention. She gave good advice. She yeah. was like, my people are dicks if they find out you were hiding on our planet they will never forgive you they hold grudges and they will never let this go so like maybe slow roll it she was right but it did create this new conspiracy theory for the chancellor like oh you were holding something back from me now too and conspiring with the aliens so it's just a whole new like trap because Krola mentions that they've captured a spy because the Riker's escape at the hospital failed. He got alerted to it and found out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's no way to keep a secret at a hospital. Trust me. <laughs> you know what? If Picard were really the diplomat he thinks he is, he would have told the chancellor once he realized the chancellor was reasonable and would know what information to withhold from other people. Sure. Sure. These are the ways that Becca would do this differently. Yeah. What would you differently if you were in Riker's situation? Like you are on an away mission. Now you're in this scenario. Don't, Don't get caught love. up in a riot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well. Stick to the edges of society, the fringes. Do not get in That's it. That's a nice answer. Is like, if, you wouldn't have what been would you do in this place. scenario? I would not get in this scenario. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I would seduce the doctors, yeah. obviously, with my with my words there and knowledge. With my multiple digits. Ooh, Sander. <laughs> or you tell the head doctor the truth and get him on your side so that uh, he'll he lie for really you. reasonable. Yeah. But the other surgeons, not so much. Well, that's the thing is like he is reasonable. In fact, when Krola comes. So. The chancellor's pissed about this was keep being kept secret by the scientists, so he demands all the information. Krola goes to the medical facility to find Riker and demands that he be um, like revived or brought conscious. And the doctor's like, "Uh, he needs That's to rest because he could, could die." And yeah. Krola's like, "Well, then I will replace you if you will not do it." Um, can I just call something out? Okay, I see that one has white hair, the chancellor, uh-huh. and then the. 
the head doctor has brown hair. Uh-huh. Otherwise, they there's look like similar. four white men with head ridges that yeah. are the doctor and the chancellor, and then their foils that are like, oh, I'm your second in command, and I go against everything you think and say and to I represent the public. See, yeah. And different. I have glasses. <laughs> And one with glasses. Well, those well, two maybe dudes, two. I the forget. doctor and the chancellor are significantly older than uh, Krola yeah, as well. Yeah, but they could have varied it up substantially. Krola's got those beady little evil eyes, too. He's, mm. yeah. And mm. somebody's got a mustache? Krola right. does, yeah. Krola. Mm-hmm. It has ah. to be Krola. That's, a, that's an evil mustache. He's like the vice principal of everything, is what he yeah. looks like, you know? Oh, yeah. He's totally v- vice principal vibes, yeah, no. for sure. Uh, it's a good thing that one of them had facial hair. Otherwise, Riker really wouldn't fit in. <laughs> That's true. I also loved, I forgot that B.B. Newworth in that scene when she was talking to him and trying to get him to sleep with her, holds up his hands close to her face like multiple digits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She knows what's up. She yeah. sees the possibilities. And I respect that. Uh, a part, I did not like how they're scene comes to an end which is her saying will i ever see you again obviously no is a fine answer here and this fuck boy Riker says i'll call you next time i'm in your star system he wanted to say the cool alien line yeah that's what you do she may have wanted to hear because it fulfilled her alien fantasy type of thing maybe that's how i took it maybe he's trying to be her fantasy sure that's a way better diary entry for her than no this is the adult mm, version right. of E.T. that they don't show you in theaters. There you go. <laughs> and E.T.'s like, I'll give you a call next time. They're just staring at his digit. Hey, Jake, found the title. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Love it. So uh, Krola does replace uh, the doctor, Dr. Beryl, and he gets uh, Lackey to revive him, and he intensely interrogates Riker, right? Yeah, and Riker doesn't know what's going on, and I think gives in at that point of just says, "Yeah, I'm an alien." Yeah, he's like, "Okay, you got me. Um, who do I have to fight I need next?" To talk to my other aliens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. He says, "Bring them to me." He's like, "Not well, until we learn." Well, they call him Riker so that he knows oh, that's, that that's, yeah. someone that Picard is on planet or because some team. The Chancellor now knows and sent down instructions. I think. Well, well they reference him. Awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, Yale said who he was to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so then. I mean, now the chancellor is like Picard goes and meets the chancellor. He's like, I know this is looking bad, but look, <laughs> we've had this issue before. He mentions the Klingons, doesn't he? He's like, yeah, our first contact well, it with may them. have been here that or later. That whole war. Yeah. Ooh. But this was a cool little bit of like Star Trek lore that we get to hear that, oh, this is why the negotiations with first contact with the Klingons w- went a little sour because uh, they did not do surveillance or anything like that and knew nothing about their culture. Yeah, we didn't have a nurse to make love and escape. Mm. Or they did, and that was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> With Klingons? Nah. Yeah, that's, how, that's, a how, that's a solution. All of our men were killed in that ultimate. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so Picard, like, semi-apologizes, but he's like, this is kind of how we do it, is we have to kind of be in your society to welcome you so we understand it, so we don't have more diplomatic problems. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think... Like the chancellor kind of sees the, the wisdom of that over time. But unfortunately, at the me- back at the medical facility, Corla like takes us a, a turn that I did not expect. And it makes him 
a better character because he believes in his ideology so much that he's willing to sacrifice himself for it. Oh yeah, with this, I did not describe the scene. Describe the scene. It's crazy. Yeah, what a choice. Krola like mentions he he's he's asking Riker like if you're so peaceful, then why did you bring a weapon? And he holds up the phaser that for some reason Riker brought on this away mission. Right, and Riker previously (laughs) had told them that it was a toy. Yes, he told him it was a toy. Right, do toys do this? And then he like blows up a heart monitor. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you knock over heart monitors in your civilization. Uh, Yeah, and and Riker's like, it's a defensive weapon. He's like, I don't believe you. You guys are going to be the death of my civilization. We're not going to be subjected to you. But if they know you're, you know, dangerous, then maybe they'll be alerted. And he points the phaser at himself using Riker's hand to hold it. Did not see that coming. Got me with the twist. And Riker is still messed up from the surgeries and the adrenaline shot that they gave him, so he can't really move his limbs all that much. No, he's weak. As soon as it's fired, goes limp with the phaser still in his hand. I knew it. He reached up, though, and he touched something on the back of the phaser, and that was, he had so little (gasps) energy, but it was a I missed that. Oh, I was looking for it, because if it were me, I set that shit to stun. Yeah. Let him let him knock himself out and yeah. think that he did his big martyr mission. Nice catch, Good Becca. Catch. I thought I it was that. that it was just on stun and he didn't know. Me too. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. Riker kind of reaches out to try and resist, hits something, but doesn't turn it off, and then yeah. the phaser goes off. Good catch. Um, we open up the last act with uh, like Riker being revived, right? And or like the the staff coming in mm-hmm. and like finding what happened. Yeah, and this is like a, a cold open for a whole episode. They could have done a full investigation on this whole oh, scenario. Oh, that's a cool idea. Right? But they did some nice wrap-up of it. Right. And they do it pretty succinctly because Beverly Crusher and Worf suddenly transport in. And they're like, hi. And they don't, yeah. <laughs> We're also freaks and don't mind our foreheads. Yeah. We're going to help our buddy. Uh, does he need help too? We beam them on board the Enterprise to help them. Thank goodness all phasers keep a record of the direction which the fingerprint was facing when you press the button. Yeah. Because Crusher knew this was fired with his left hand pointing at him. And who knows? He must have. I guess they store that. They they actually do that in, I think, now with guns because of fingerprints. Like you can actually tell like which which hand hand of a gun was held in. So Mm -hmm. it's not so out of the realm, which I like. It's probably like a little bit of your sweat or whatever dna still why do they keep leaving beverly out of the sherlock holmes mysteries <laughs> yeah she would that, kill it she would that makes a lot of sense that you can dust for fingerprints on a trigger also i just have to say this thing that i was reminded of that obama had this idea that you need uh like fingerprint unlock touch id to use a gun mm-hmm. so that children can't use them be, thought that was a cool idea that is Good actually idea. a that is a safety mechanism i think you can buy but it should be required but you yep. can't yeah. get them for sure. Hey, are you the kind of person that already cares about safety and is the ideal person <laughs> to be trusted with this sort of violent device? Well, here's a thing that other people won't want. That's yeah. <laughs> true. But yeah, we find out that it was set to stun no matter what. And Beverly's like, yeah, he was never really in danger. He's fine. He's faking. This dingus. <laughs> He's a real dingus, actually, yeah. categorically, medically, a dingus. But mm-hmm. again, so we go to the sick bay with the chancellor and um, Yale, and 
we show that he's going to be okay. And they show him compassion, which I really like. Mm. He's like, old friend, what are you doing? You were going to be a martyr for this. And it's not that he was just being stubborn. It's like he really believed it so much he was willing to sacrifice his life to make sure his civilization was safe, which every good villain believes they're doing the right thing, right? And right. so yeah. I really and appreciate that. we seldom that. get to see this side of it. Hmm? I like that they may be xenophobic, but they do uh, trust and love one another. Plus side to this culture. Well, the whole culture isn't xenophobic. They're just uh, some of them are. And uh, they just haven't had the chance. Yeah. To find out. Yeah. I think all cultures are going to be xenophobic when they first meet a new civil. Well, like, we civilization, don't know that, right? Jake. That's why we need several <laughs> survey members to go to the planet yeah. to find out. Yeah. That's yeah. True. That's what true. if they're and all if we can fuckers? do their latest TikTok dance, maybe things will go smoother. <laughs> yeah. oh. They did mention like, yeah, we've listened to your popular music. We get it. Ooh. We shouldn't judge you by that. <laughs> yeah. I love that commentary. That's exactly why they sent people. That's uh, the whole thing. Well, then this whole wraps up. This whole thing wraps up with Captain Picard's ready room, where the Chancellor's like, "Unfortunately, I think we're going to have to decline meeting you for now." And Which Picard's is a great like, "Outcome." It is because the Chancellor Wise. admits not everybody in my civilization is ready, and mm-hmm. because of that, it probably wouldn't be good for our civilization to meet you yet. We need to spend more time developing our education and our social structures to make sure people Gosh. are more. Uh, willing to accept new points of view and new civilizations. What what a heartbreaking thing that we can't do that in our world of like, mm-hmm. wow, our technology as a civilization has moved faster than the people are ready to accept just that we have space travel and warp drive and we need to educate them. Wow. What Can we concept. do some of that in yeah. our world? Yeah, uh, I don't know well, we can. if it was at this one or an earlier speech that he had. But there was a good quote about him going from the leader of the universe as he knew it to a member of a chorus. And that's what he was talking about, this perspective shift from this being their whole world to them being part of a community they didn't even know existed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this isn't the end of their story, right? They're still going to develop warp technology. It's just going to be delayed while we kind of get our... Our stuff in order a little bit. Yeah, and not the end of the nurse's story. She's still waiting for that phone call. <laughs> That's true. She should have requested to go along with the Enterprise if she anybody. She didn't get the chance. Yeah, I know. <laughs> She's being so interrogated true. down, well, the, uh, down wait, on the planet. Wait, spoilers for that. The, we, uh, oh, not sorry, to underplay sorry. Well, about, that oh, the doctor uh, says, hold on, wait, but no, I'm I'm not ready to say goodbye. Can I, can I come, please? And um, Chancellor says... You, you are my daughter and I will miss you, but you need to keep your human legs. It was just or like whatever. the end of The Little Mermaid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Picard is like, I don't think you're ready. She's like, I was born ready. <laughs> <laughs> I've already packed. Yeah. I need nothing. The Chancellor also mentions right before that that I kind of forgot about. It. He's like, yes, this will be rumor for a long time about conspiracies, hiding aliens. But don't worry, people will. It'll pass. They'll get over it. And I'm like, that's kind of giving credence to conspiracies now a little bit yeah. <laughs> saying they are true and we're just hiding it mm-hmm. that was a twist i didn't expect yeah <laughs> fun episode didn't yeah. didn't see this perspective coming i'm glad would they changed it up the enterprise i would for sure right mm-hmm. especially if i have to deal with corla down on the planet right yeah. whatever his name is it really depends on my circumstances that's you true. know would you go on a space travel mission right now 
That's a good point, Becca. If you were like, could you go to Mars? If it was on the Enterprise, yeah. Yeah, if it was on the Enterprise, I would. <laughs> if it was on a shuttle, I have no thank you. Yeah. What if you got to be cryo-frozen? Mm, I'm good. I We'd like my gravity. talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the perspective change was really fun in here. I'm mm-hmm. glad we got to see this from largely the civilization's point of view. Yeah. Oh, one of the things that they brought up was uh, this chancellor was like, hey, I'm glad that you told me all of this, though, because you made a mistake. And because you admitted to making a mistake, that made me like you more. And Picard's like, I've made some doozies in my day. <laughs> oh, you want to hear about mistakes? There was one time. Sit down. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard about the stargazer? <laughs> <laughs> Oh Big my whoopsie, goodness. that one. Big whoopsie. <laughs> well, that was First Contact. And next week, we'll be exploring Galaxy's Child. Ooh. Ooh. She did get pregnant. <laughs> uh, the Enterprise is trying to save the child of a space-born alien when LaForge meets a scientist he dated on the holodeck. <gasps> yes! Oh, I'm so excited! <laughs> That was a really good Jordy episode. Yeah, if you recall, he like had a holodeck he version of a scientist that was a real person. The doctor. Well, right. it was like um, the instruction manual for the ship or something that was a wrote. video, yeah. a, you know, virtual reality instruction manual, and yeah. he like got in it and was like, "You're cute." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, set course for fun. Engage. Engage.